Welcome to Tuned to Yesterday, featuring programs from radio's past. I'm your host, Mark Lavonier. Variety in this hour from the Texaco Star Theater, starring Fred Allen. Among the cast is June Brady, who was named Major Bo's Amateur of the Month, being featured on his radio talent show. Sadly, though, many people sacrificed much to be on that program, moving from all across the country just for a chance of an appearance on the radio. No one really made much of themselves past that appearance, aside from Frank Sinatra, who sang with the Hoboken Four. This episode heard on February 5th, 1941 on CBS. The Texaco Star Theater. Texaco dealers from coast to coast welcome you to an hour of mirth and melody with our star comedian Fred Allen, Kenny Baker, and Portland Hopper, our guest June Brady, Major Bowles Amateur of the Month, the Martins, and Al Goodman's Orchestra. It's Texaco time. gentlemen, presenting that happy hooligan, that jovial jibester, that unique, you know, Fred Allen in person. Thank you. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Say, what's, uh, uh, what's the matter, Jimmy? What is that shivering? Your collar turned up. Gosh, you're shaking like the end girl in a Minsky chorus. <laughs> Well, Fred, it's this cold weather. It's, it's got me. Oh, you're... you're uh, well, now, don't overdo it, Jason. Oh, well, I know, but normally you shake a lot. But I mean when you're cold on top of your normal condition. You're just one of those thin-blooded guys from California, Jimmy. Why, you'd get frostbitten just playing north in a bridge game. Well, at least out in California I can stay warm. Well, there are ways of keeping warm here, too, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, I know. I've been sitting on a radiator so long from certain angles I look like a grilled steak. Here, I'll show you. Now, well, we don't... We take Hi, you Dad, what's the chatter? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's Jimmy's teeth, uh, Kenny. You know, they say meat now. He had the top one moved over. Uh, it's Jimmy's teeth are chattering. He says... He says he's cold. He can't take it, eh? Say, you're from California, too, Kenny. How is it this cold spell hasn't gotten you down? I carry a portable smudge pot. <laughs> that, uh, that keeps you warm, does it? All but my feet. You know, my legs are so blue, I don't have to wear stockings. Fine. How do you find your veins, I mean, if you're looking <laughs> for them? But, uh, now, look, if you... If you... If you pick up your blue feet and patter away, Kenny... GFA, why doesn't this show move out to California? Now, we are not softies on this program, Kenny Baker. If Gypsy Rose Lee can carry on in this cold, so can we. Oh, but California's great, F.A. Look at this picture Dennis Day just sent me from Palm Springs. Oh, which is Dennis? That's Dennis eating the hamburger. Oh, without the mustard, huh? 
Oh, what moronic ecstasy. Dennis lying there in a bathing suit surrounded by a flock of beautiful paramount bathing beauties. Mm. Oh, girls' arms around him. Blondes, brunettes. Mm. That, <laughs> that gets you, hey? Boy, I can just taste that hamburger. <laughs> And while Kenny's mind munches his meat mirage, we turn to the latest news of the week. The Texaco News presents its highlights from the world of news. New York City, New York. The Poet Poetry Society of America holds its annual dinner at the Hotel Biltmore, where the Poetry Society Medal is presented to the well-known man about verse, Mr. Robert Frost. Tonight, Texaco News rounds up several poets who were thrown out of the Biltmore lobby trying to crash the Poetry Society's dinner. First, a poet who is an institution... Hold it, bud. I ain't no institution. Oh, I beg your pardon. I thought you said... I said I was from an institution. <laughs> I just got out of Sing Sing. You were released today? No, I just got out for tonight. I gotta be back by 12 o'clock. Oh, really? Yeah. If you ain't back by 12 o'clock, they lock you out. Oh, I see. Yeah, on a night like this, I ain't taking no chances. No. Uh, you mean you can uh, you can get out of Sing Sing at any time to go on the radio? For sure. I told the warden I got a guest shot tonight. He didn't object? Nah, he says I'm a on Ask It Basket myself. We'll drive down to get it. Fine. Well, you, uh... I'm sorry you brought him along. I mean, you should have... Fine. Now, uh, you, uh, you are a poet, you say? Well, uh, they call me the Leavenworth Longfellow. The Leavenworth Longfellow, yeah. huh? Well, what is your name? I, your name, I don't think I announced it. Uh, you can call me number 10469. 10469. Yeah, me real number's 15731. Well, what is this 10469? That's me pen name. <laughs> And what poem are you going to recite for us, uh, 10469? It's my latest prison ballad. And what is it called? I'm just a hyphen. I'm just a hyphen. Yeah. Fine. Well, go right ahead. Prisoners plan when they're in prison what they'll do when they go free. I don't plan. I'm just a hyphen. Planning don't mean that to me. You can get sent up for mopery, arson, homicide, and hyphen. You'll be out while I'm still in there. Why? Because I'm just a hyphen. What's a hyphen, you can ask me, if your interest don't diminish? I'm a hyphen, I will answer, because my sentence, I can't finish. And why can't you finish your sentence? What was that? Why can't you finish your sentence? I'm doing life. Thank you. <laughs> Another poet who was hustled out of the Biltmore lobby was Halsey Swine. What sort of poetry do you write, Halsey? Oh, I specialize in clothing quatrains. <laughs> oh, all of, uh, all of your poems are about garments, wearing apparel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coats, hats, sneakers, spats, rummage. Well, where do you do your writing, Halsey? Do you, do you hang around Barney's to get your inspiration? No, no. My studio is a clothes closet. I sit behind an old Balmacad and compose. You do? <laughs> Must be difficult to find you in there. I mean, so close to the Balmacad. Well, tell uh, what are some of your ready-to-wear rondelays, Halsey? Oh, I've written so many. There was, uh, The Wrinkle Looked at the Sleeve and Said. That was a poem, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Anything else? Fess up, old Serge, why are you blue? Very good. I mean... <laughs> Won't you come into my pocket, said the mothball to the moth. Excellent. Well, what poem have you chosen for tonight? My latest dacto. I'd rather be a mess jacket than anything I know. You'd rather be a... <laughs> you go right ahead. I'd rather be a mess jacket than anything I know, rather than a muffler or a mangy furbelow. Yes, I'd rather be a mess jacket than anything I know. I'd hate to be a trouser leg all baggy at the knee. I'd hate to be an old sarong or a fringy old puttee. I'd hate to be a riding habit with my seat about to go. 
Yes, I'd rather be a mess jacket than anything I know. Well, thank you. For... Yes, I'd rather be a mess jacket. Thank you very much. I'd rather be a mess. You certainly are. Oh, right. good. next rhymester is Professor Felton Dart. Glad to have you here tonight, Professor. The Prisoner Dawson train is all mine. Uh, <laughs> I beg your pardon? The Prisoner Dawson train is all mine. What is that, a new language? That's double talk. I am an authority on double talk. Oh, really? Uh, what is, uh, just what is double talk, Professor? Double talk is just talk with lumps in it. In other words... It's scuttered by the bottom of the accidental bevel trot, if you see what I mean. That explains it thoroughly. Uh, now, uh, you, uh, you write poetry and double talk, do you, Professor? Yes, I am the only double talk minnesinger in the world today. Well, what are some of your better-known uh, double talk poems, Professor? Will ignore for Dawson Grohl? Yes, I've heard Pop of it. Pop-job films by night. Vorpal with a light brown crow name. I've heard of it. Well, have you, uh, have you a double-talk poem for us this evening, Professor? Yes. I call it Mother Dear, the Mullertrop Wave. Well, if you will. Yes. <clears throat> Mother Dear, the Mullertrop Wave, kill a thief from Squidia, wallow dip the pumpet wet, the mother said, for pity Father Dear, the Mullertrop snowed, torn a Briston Lenacy, balanced by Bumble Light, the father just said, Frenacy. <laughs> A masterpiece, Professor. Weeble morning, Mr. Allen. Weeble morbid, and good luck to you, Professor. <laughs> now, last and by all means least, Miss Mimi Schlepp. Uh, Miss Schlepp? Could you say kindly I am appearing through the courtesy of the Delicatessen Guild? <laughs> the Delicatessen Guild is a literary group. Like the Poetry Society, only with an accent. Oh, I see. Also, it is affiliated with the Sausage Sonneteers, yeah. the Bards of the Blinzer, yeah. and the Pastrami Poets Union. Oh, these are all Poets Unions, are they? Well, to me, it is obvious. Well, uh, <laughs> old, dull old eye, I didn't catch on. I'm explaining. In the Delicatessen Guild, we are rhyming only with Delicatessen. Well, how do you mean? Delicatessen writers are specializing. Oh. Pickle poets is rhyming only pickles. Yeah. Rye bread poets is rhyming only rye bread. And, oh, this I could keep up indubitably. No doubt. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Now, what is your uh, particular specialty, Mimi? What denizen of the delicatessen do you write about? Chickens. Chickens? <laughs> only poems about chickens I am rhyming. Well, are you going to recite a chicken poem for us tonight? Really? What is your chicken poem called? Agony. Agony. <laughs> well, uh, uh, if you'll carry on, go right ahead. Thank you. Little chicken on a hook, what are you thinking? On where do you look? Do you wish a curse on the world and man for what they have done to you, little ham? <laughs> First, you're an egg. You're out with a peck. When you are fat, they're wringing your neck. The butcher is taking your giblets away. Your liver tomorrow will be an entree. <laughs> when your insides are out, you're an open book. Then, little chicken, you're on a hook. Oh, how true, how true. This could be life. Man is a chicken. The world is a hook for the man who will wicken. So with faith and with courage, we face the outlook. Man may be a chicken, but not on a hook, I thank you. I'm sure Miss Schlepp will win the Pulitz Prize for 1941. <laughs> and uh, now we turn from... <laughs> we turn from poetry to music. <laughs>
Goodman has just completed a nursery rhyme medley. The songs, Farmer in the Dell, London Bridge is Falling Down, and Good Night Lady. Say, uh, Maestro... I, Goodman, am on deck. Well, tell me, what is the idea of suddenly playing this nursery music tonight? Is radio going back to its second childhood? Or did you, uh, did you get a request from some kindergarten? Confidentially, my wife, Mrs. Goodman, is asking me to play it. Why? At home by Goodman as a baby. So? So every night, to put the baby to sleep, my wife, Mrs. Goodman, is singing nursery songs. So? So tonight, my wife... Mrs. Goodman. Who else? <laughs> that way now. Well, what about the nursery rhyme? Tonight, my wife is getting an invitation. So? So my wife is putting the radio in the cradle. Yeah, Good, yeah. Goodman is playing the nursery song. The baby is going to sleep. Next door, meanwhile, my wife is nicely playing Pinochle. Well, now tell me, what are you going to do Suppose if the baby wakes up? The janitor will call me. Over the radio to the baby, I, Goodman, will tell a bedtime story. Over the radio and my dead body, you <laughs> tell a bedtime story. Oh, hello, Portland. Hello. Well, you were uh, You look nice and healthy out Dory tonight. Yes, I've been out all week looking for the groundhog. Oh, well, wasn't the groundhog supposed to function was, uh, last Sunday? Yes, but he didn't come out. Monday, he didn't come out again. Two days running, he didn't come out. He's consistent, isn't he? Well, do you know, do you know why the groundhog didn't come out? I heard it's because the shadow left the groundhog and went on the radio. They split up. <laughs> now, look, Portland, Boy Scout Week starts this Friday. Why don't you do your good deed and, and go away? But I've got three more lines here. No kidding. How did they get in there? <laughs> Penny's a Boy Scout. He gave me a joke. That was his good deed for today. Uh-huh. He gave you a joke. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm taking it out. That's my good deed for today. <laughs> Speaking of Boy Scouts, did you hear Jack Benny's show Sunday? Say, do you think that had something to do with the groundhog not coming out? <laughs> The groundhog didn't want to lower himself socially. <laughs> but what what uh, did I hear? Uh, I heard uh, uh, that program Sunday. You know that that program last Sunday is the best program Jello has had since it's been on the air. <laughs> didn't you? Uh, didn't you like it? I was a little disappointed. Disappointed in what? In Jack. He was trying to impersonate Herbert Marshall. Like Herbert Marshall. Well, that was Herbert Marshall. Well, if it was Herbert Marshall, he certainly didn't sound like Jack Benny. Well, <laughs> Benny wasn't on the program Sunday. It was two other fellows, Lum and Abner, I think, <laughs> or vice versa. But never mind old suction pockets. <laughs> what about our guest? Tonight, we welcome Major Bose, Amateur of the Month. And her name is? Miss June Brady. Well, good evening, Miss Brady. Good evening, Mr. Allen. You know, I always find myself in a quandary addressing our between-age guests. Now, shall I call you uh, Miss Brady, Miss Brady? Or would you rather have me call you June, June? I think I prefer June, Mr. Allen. Well, fine. Now, how old are you, June, if you don't mind telling? I'm 16. Sweet 16? I don't think that's for me to say, Mr. Allen. You don't really? Well, all right. I tell you, I'll meet you halfway. You say you're 16, and I'll say you're sweet. That's fair enough, isn't it? Tell me, June, are you a maid of Manhattan? No, I was born in Detroit, but I've spent most of my life in Los Angeles. And now I'm going to Mother Cabrini High School here in New York. Well, how did you ever get here from California? You didn't take a wrong turn out driving on the Lincoln Highway, did you? No. Mother brought me to New York because there are more opportunities for young singers here. Well, Mother knows best, June. This is your first professional engagement tonight. Now, you're not nervous at the thought of receiving your initial salary, are you? If you really want to know the truth, I am. Your check won't bounce, June. I give you my word. And before we start, I want to tell you how much I enjoyed your singing and your imitations on Major Bowe's program a few weeks ago. Thank you, Mr. Allen. Say, tell me about uh, Brother Bowe's. How, uh, how, uh, how did you like the Major? Was he nice to you? Yes, of course. Major Bowles is nice to everyone on his program. Well, he certainly is. You know, sometimes he goes out of town just to be nice to a unit. 
on the Major's program once. He stepped on a couple of my laughs, but we got a long swell outside of that. But I'm only joking, June. Before you sing and do your impersonations, may I say that both Major Bowes and I wish you every success in the years to come. Thank you. Now, what is your number? I'm going to sing So You're the One, as it might be sung by some of our favorite movie stars. Well, you go right ahead. <laughs> When you go back up to the Mother Cabrini High School tomorrow, you'll be promoted, I bet you, June. (laughs) (laughs) And here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here is Jimmy Wallington with a few words about, well, uh, what are your words about, James? Smoke-watching, Fred. Oh, no, no, not tonight, Jimmy. We covered smoke-watching a few weeks ago. Don't you remember we had a professional uh, smoke-watcher here as our guest? The man whose job is watching power plants, smokestacks for a living? Mm -hmm. Oh, we're smoked out, Jimmy. There's nothing more that can be said uh, about watching smoke. Oh, yes, there is, Fred. Because there's another kind of smoke watching that's just as important. That's watching the smoke of an automobile exhaust. You know, probably not one car owner in 100,000 has ever examined the inside of an automobile engine for signs of wear, but there's one telltale sign when it has taken place. The next time you see a car with a smoky exhaust, it's a likely sign of excessive engine wear. Then it's too late for anything but a costly repair job. Smoke means trouble. So before your car becomes a smoker, help safeguard your engine from these three sources of wear, of which smoke is a symptom. Wear due to heat, wear due to cold, and wear due to oil impurities. Change now to insulated Haviland, a motor oil designed to resist today's high engine temperatures, which can break down ordinary oils and hasten wear. Insulated Haviland flows freely, too, at low temperatures, helping vital parts avoid the raspy wear of cold weather starts. Insulated Haviland is also a distilled oil, 
the carbon-forming impurities are removed. Remember, your car was never designed to smoke. Change now to insulated Haviland at your Texaco dealer. Help reduce excessive wear in your motor. The Texaco Star Theater will continue immediately after a short pause for your station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. WABC, New York. Wise old owl, uh, Mr. Goodman's uh, mother is always here in applause. I hope you'll overlook it. That was Wise Old Owl, the molting version play <laughs> played by Mr. Al Goodman. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen... Mr. Allen! Oh, yes, Portland. What is it? I'm terribly busy here. There isn't any fire. What? There isn't any fire. Well, thanks a lot. It's mm -hmm. nice of you to rush in here when things are humming to tell us that there isn't any fire. Well, I only wanted to prepare you. Prepare me for what? I just saw Kenny paying one of the actors to come in here and yell fire. Why? Well, remember the oranges that Kenny tried to make last week? Oh, you mean that tincture of sluice? <laughs> he brewed with the four oranges and 150 gallons of water. Uh-huh. Well, Kenny tasted it, and now he knows it's just water. Well, what's his next move? Kenny's going to try to sell it. Sell it? Uh -huh. Doesn't he realize that the city gives water away? Kenny says sometimes you can sell water. When? When there's a fire. Oh, so that's why. <laughs> yes. He was hiring this actor to yell fire. Dixney, Alton, take quiet. Hi, folks. Well, of all people, hello, Kenny. Kind of warm in here, isn't it? I, uh, I haven't noticed anything. Smells kind of smoky. Uh, does it? I thought maybe there was a fire. If you're expecting a fire, don't forget I, Goodman, am also in the insurance business. Uh, there is no fire, Mr. Goodman. I personally give you my word. Fire. Fire? Say, did you hear what that man said? Say, uh, by the way, Mr. Goodman, how is your brother-in-law getting along? But Mr. Allen... At present, my brother-in-law is suing the city for non-support. For non-support? <laughs> for non-support? For 20 years, my brother-in-law is leaning against a building. Last week, the city is tearing it down. Well, what, uh, what is holding your brother-in-law up now? He's just laying there. Uh, <laughs> hey, for crying out loud, fellas, we can't stand around here like this. We gotta do something. We may be trapped by this fire. What fire? Yes, what's on fire, Kenny? I don't know, but I distinctly heard a man yell fire. Oh, you're just hearing things, Kenny. No, I'm not. Listen. Fire. See? <laughs> What, uh, what do you know, Portland? There's a fire in the studio. Shall I get some marshmallows before it goes out? <laughs> well, well I... are we going to put it out? Let it burn. For ten years, I've been waiting for my band to get hot. <laughs> if it does, the joint will be jumping with popping corn, I guarantee you. With butter yet. It's delicious. Oh, come on, gang. Let's all pitch in and put out the fire. Well, we can't put out a fire without water, Kenny. That's right. Water! Water! Who's got some water? Uh... Yell for water, F.A. Who's got some water? Okay. I, uh, well, you're carrying on so well in two voices. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> you want me to yell, too? Water! 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 Who's got some water? I have. <laughs> You have water? Yes, I just happen to have some on hand. You can have it cheap, F.A., three dollars. That's all I wanted to know. Now, listen, uh, Gunga Din. <laughs> we know there isn't any fire in here, and we also know that you are stuck with 150 gallons of water. You and your partner, Analik, were trying to pass off as orange juice around here last week. It's only 75 gallons, F.A. Really? Well, where's the other 75? Mr. Analik and I split 50-50 when we dissolved our partnership. And good riddance to Mr. Analik and his 75 gallons of water. Yeah, that Analik was a sharper, all right. Look who's talking. 
You also, Kenny, are no little Lord Fonsleroy. Generous. He gives you three extra letters with every word. You imagine? <laughs> now, Mr. Goodman is right, Kenny, besides being generous. You know, this comes of hanging around a man like Analik. Here you are, find yourself down the way you're trying to sell water, faking fires over the air. Do you want to be known as Austin Wells? <laughs> But I can't go through life with 75 gallons of water on my mind. Why don't you spill it out, Kenny? I can't afford it. I'm in too deep. I'm hooked for $3. $3? Why, you got that water for nothing. But it cost me a dollar to pay half the moving charges for Mr. Analik's 75 gallons. All right, now that's $1. And last night, I found a leak in the tank. And you had the hole in the tank patch? No, I'm paying a guy a dollar to keep his finger in it. <laughs> The little Dutch boy is working again after all these years. Well, I'm glad to hear it. But, Kenny, that, uh, that only adds up to $2. Where is the other dollar? Fire. <laughs> there it is. Well, I hope this... <laughs> well, I hope this teaches you a lesson, selling water. That H2O shop practice is for rascals like Analik, not for you, Kenny. Oh, I guess you're right, F.A., Gee, if I could get my $3 back, I'd reform. All right. If it'll help you back on the straight and narrow path, I'm one to help you go straight. Here is your $3. Thanks, F.A. I'll make that phone call right away. A phone call? Yeah, the guy might sell before I get him. Sell what? Porty, show Mr. Allen that classified ad. The one under business opportunities? Yeah. Hello, operator. Get me circle 49970. What does that ad say, Portland? Party has job lot of World Fair souvenirs. Fortune can be made. Owner doesn't want to sell, but might be persuaded by right party. Would like to test himself. Call Mr. McKeister, circle 49970. World's Fair souvenirs. Hurry, operator. You get that, Mr. Allen? Doesn't want to sell. Might be purchased by right party. Maybe I'm the right party. Might be, uh, well, I wouldn't be, uh, you mean to persuade him? I wouldn't be surprised. It must be a terrific deal if he's not anxious to sell. Hello, Circle 49970? Oh? Is this you, Mr. McKeister? Well, look, Mr. McKeister, I'm Kenny Baker. I saw your... Yeah, I'll hold the wire. Come in. Who's Kenny Baker? I am. Hang up, buddy, I'm McKeister. <laughs> What delayed you, McKeister? Baker, the minute I heard your voice, I said, there's the right party. Well, I'm interested in those World Fair souvenirs, Mr. McKeister. I want to open a little business. Say no more, chum. I ain't got no willpower. You can steal the whole stock of souvenirs for $1,500. But I've only got three bucks. It's a deal. <laughs> no kidding. You sure drive a hard bargain, kid. Oh, brother. Just hand over the three bucks. Thank you. Well, here's your bill of sale. Thanks. Oh, boy. I'm now in the World's Fair souvenir business. But good. Say, uh, what kind of souvenirs are they? From the Aquacade. The Aquacade? Yeah, the owner will send it right over. I'm just the agent. So long. Hey, but who's the owner? Fellow by the name of Analek. <laughs> Analek. Kenny, let me see that bill of sale. Here. I wonder if that's the same Mr. Analik I know. I wonder if I bought it. He is, and you did, Kenny. <laughs> now, according to this bill of sale, your Aquacade souvenirs are 75 gallons of water. Now, I hope you're satisfied. Well, what do you know? Fire. And for Pete's sake, tell that fat actor if he comes... <laughs> If he comes in here again and yells fire, I'm putting him out. Oh, what now? Come in. Where's the fire? Where's the fire? Oh, I'm sorry, Mayor LaGuardia. It was all a mistake. <laughs> there, there is no fire. Oh, butterscotch. Oh, I wish he had another flavor. Small figure with the fire chief helmet resting on its shoulder scurries down the fire escape. Mr. Goodman plays, and Kenny sings, Believe Me If All Those Endearing Young Chums.
heart while beauty and youth are thine own and thy cheek unprofaned by a tear that the fervent faith of us the Texaco Workshop Players, ladies and gentlemen. This little group is currently rehearsing a sequel to Arsenic and Old Lace called Bismuth and New Embroidery. <laughs> but uh, tonight they drop uh, their rehearsals to present another hillbilly court episode. It's called Mountain Justice, or the judge made a pass at the plaintiff's wife and later denied the motion. <laughs> Open the court, Bailiff. <laughs> Cover is honor, Judge Allen. Hi, hi, Rubes, hi, Rubes. Cover and squat, everybody. Uh, courts, uh, courts open. Order in the court. The uh, first, uh, for, uh, who, who, who's smoking them, uh, them uh, bayberry leaves in court? Ain't bayberry leaves, Judge. Smells like somebody's barbecuing an overshoe. Uh, something unsanitary is consorting with flame, Clark. Jeepers, it's you, Judge. Me, sakes and my The seat of your robe's on fire. Well, I thought I felt something. Don't, 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 don't overcome me here. <laughs> uh, seat of my robe on. Whoever give me that hot foot's no judge a distance. <laughs> now, order in the court. Order in the court. Let me see. Get my bifocal set <laughs> My bifocals are slipping out. You see, sometimes I have to look through my glasses yonder into my bifocals. Let me see now. <laughs> first, uh, first case. Uh, Mule Hatfield versus Hunk McCoy. Hatfields and McCoys again, hey? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what's the charge uh, this time? Hunting without a license. Mm-hmm. What was they hunting, Clark? Each other. Yeah. <laughs> Feuding again, hey? Yeah. Mule Hatfield. Here, Judge. Hunk McCoy. Here, Judge. Now, who began this feuding? McCoy Hatfield did. did. Why, Your Honor, take this. Why, you low-living, take that. Oh. No. Mule Hatfield. Hunk McCoy. Case dismissed. <laughs> Case has been tucked to a higher court, I reckon, or maybe a lower court, depending on how the boys live. Now, let me see here. Next case here is, uh, seems to be People of Cupcake County versus Brody Jeffers. And the charge is murder. Murder. <laughs> Order in the court. Bolt the front door, Sheriff. Okay, Judge. Brody Jeffers. Charge says... I know what I'd done, and I'd do what I'd done if it had to be done again. Now, hold on, hold on. Wait. Wait till I charge you. But I know what I done. And I know what you done. I got what you done right here and right now. I know what I done. Quiet. Nobody's got to tell me what I done. Quiet. Quiet now or I'm, I'm trying you for contempt of court. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> About time. Now, charge says here that you, Rhoda Jeffers, killed unto the death your own brother-in-law, Lanky Tuttle. Now, you're guilty or not guilty, Brophy? Brophy. I know what I've done, and... And you're done again. Now, stand down. First witness, Tupper Libby. Uh, wait till I mark my whittling, Judge, so I'll know where I left off. Ah, uh, 
What's your name, Tupper Libby? Tupper Libby. Nice going, Tupper. Yeah. Now I'll uh, I'll give you the two dollar question. <laughs> what uh, what is it you do, which from the looks of you ain't quite making you live it? Well, uh, I'm the hired man on Brody Jeffers' farm. You uh, reckon the defendant, uh, Brody, yonder's guilty? Yes, sir, Judge. Lanky got just what was a-coming to him. Well, clarify, Tupper. Well, sir, Lanky called himself an inventor. He was always inventing, Judge. Well, inventing ain't no grounds for murder, Tupper. Lanky's inventing was, Judge. Lanky made a mess of everything. Plum ruined Brody's farm. Clarify, Tupper. Well, sir, first it was the hens. Lanky invented a feed to make the hens lay bigger eggs. There was yeast in it. Yeah. Eggs get bigger, did they? No, no. First the hens swelled up. Then they got so full of yeast, they started laying eggs with dumplings for yolks. Well, I'll be double dog day. Yeah, uh, and then they started laying Parker House rolls with shells on top. Well, grub my chub. Yes, I never heard yes. such goings on. One morning, Brody found his 200 hens plumb dead in their nest. Under each hen was a loaf of bread. Overdone it, eh? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What else did he invent, Tupper? Well, sir, Lanky invented a divining rod for carrots, so as you could tell where the carrots was hidden in the ground. Divining rod for carrots, you Yeah, say? yeah. It was a hoe handle with a rabbit tied to the end. Didn't work, eh? Well, rabbits located the carrots at the whole crop before Lanky could shake them loose off of the whole handle. Well, uh, ruin anything else, did he? Yeah, Brody's horse died. Of inventions? Yeah, it was them green glasses that Lanky invented. Green glasses to put onto a horse? Yeah, yeah. Idea was the horse would eat shavings and kindling and save the price of grass. Horse eat the shavings, did he? Yeah, two weeks later, the horse broke out in knot holes and died. From the draft, no doubt. Yeah. You, uh, you was there when, uh, when... You was there when Brody come to kill Lanky, was you, Tupper? No, I was sitting on the well fishing. Fishing for what? The cat fell in the well. Fishing for cat, eh? Yeah, yeah. What was you using for bait? Field mouse. Yeah, yeah. What about the murder? Well, I was sitting there jiggling my field mouse. Yeah. Brody come running through the field. He was white and shaking. What to say? Brody yells, I killed him. He ruined my flivering cow, so I killed him. Yeah, that's all you know, Tupper? No, I know a lot of other things, Judge, but they ain't got nothing to do with the case. Well, stand down, Tupper. I know two and two is four. Stand down. I know Washington Cross, Delaware. Stand down. I know where you was last Saturday night. It's a lie. I it's know, a lie. Now I you know, get. Now you get. Next witness. And you get quick, too. You don't know where I was last Saturday night, because I hid your glasses before I went. Now, next witness, Mrs. Brody Jeffers. Not composed, but present, Jeff. Now, says here, you're related to both parties, Mrs. Jeffers. I'm the murderer's wife and the murderee's sister, Jeff. Well, good for you. That explains why you're only half in mourning here, I see. Oh, yeah. Now, you, uh, about your brother. Lanky was an inventing genius, Jed. According to the last witness, Tupper, Lanky ruined your husband's farm. Well, he did have run a bad luck. Well, what induced the murder, Mrs. Jeffers? Twas Lanky's last invention, Jed. A milking machine he seen at the World's Fair. Oh, that uh, Brody liked to do, Dad, was it? Could be. Uh-huh. Lanky took Brody's slivering cow to invent a better milker. You uh, warned him, did you? I says, you ruined that cow and sliver, Lanky Tuttle, and Brody will give you what fur for keys. Now, what'd he say? Lanky winked and said, they laughed at Spencer Tracy and Edison the man, don't forget. <laughs> well, how'd he fit up this here milking machine? Well, first off, Lanky cut the fingertips off a rubber glove. Yeah. Then he applied the glove fingers to the cow's spigot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he tied one end of a raincoat sleeve to the wrist of the rubber glove. Yeah. And the other end he tied to the flywheel on the Model T. Aiming to induce suction, hey? Hey. Uh-huh. When the flywheel started, the draft was to vacuum off the sleeve, setting the rubber glove to pull in on the cow. Then the milk was to flow from the cow down the sleeve into a pail sotting under the flywheel. Mighty slick invention. 
It was, Jed. Until Lanky stepped on the starter to start the milk in, then tarnation busted loose. Yeah? What happened? Everything, Jed. The flywheel started whizzing. The rubber was catapulting the cow up again the radiator. The cow was pulling away and moaning like the lead singer in a touring choir. Sakes of my day. Bolts and nuts were flying. Milk was squirting. <laughs> Looked like the Milky Way had stripped its gears. <laughs> Well, finally, the rubber glove bust, and I fainted. When you come to? I was laying in a pool of curds, Jed. Yeah. Brody was standing over Lanky with a smoking gun. Lanky had gone to the great patent office, eh? Yeah. His spirit will keep inventing, Jed. In the great beyond, you mean? Some night when I look up and see the Big Dipper has been turned into a Dixie cup. Yeah? I'll know that Lanky is up there still inventing. Well, stand down, Mrs. Jeffers. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Yeah, you want us to help you down, you can make it all right. Happy creeping. Uh, Brody Jeffers. I know what I've done, and I'd do what I've done if it had to be done again. Now, hold on. I told you about what you've done. What's your defense, Brody? Well, sir, bit by might, that there varmint ruined my farm, Jed. Yeah. Stock was gone, crops was gone, all with his inventions. Well, how was you living, Brody? I well, weren't nothing left to live on, only my cow and flipper. I was milking the cow and delivering the milk in the flipper. Uh, when the roadie like the flew apart, you figured then you was out of business. When I heard the ruckus and come running out of the pigsty, I was seeing red. Uh, what you say? Well, sir, I took my teeth out for a Ashton bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I says, Lanky Tuttle, start inventing your prayers, I says. Lanky, come back, did he? He says, your flipper ain't ruined, Brody. Try her out. Was she did for? Was she, Judge? Why, the radiator was full of milk. Well, how'd you know? Well, I stepped on the starter. A quarter grade A shut up the leg of my pants. Yeah, yeah. Turned the ignition. A pint of heavy cream zipped up my sleeve. Yeah. I blew the horn. A mess of butterballs rolled down the fender. Yeah. And then the car backfired and put it a pound of pot cheese two blocks down the road. Now, couldn't you, couldn't you fix your car, Brody? Everything was missing, Judge. Bolts was gone. Nuts was gone. Where was that? I'll show you, Judge. Bring an exhibit A, Sheriff. Okie baby dokie, Brody. <laughs> there she stands, Jed. A bovine wreck. Well, cow looks all right to me, Brody. I tell you, she's a wreck, Jed. That cow's full of nuts, bolts, and rivets. You mean? Now, wait till I milk her, Jed. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> The Texaco Star Theater, on tuned to yesterday from the 5th of February, 1941, on CBS. Bringing the curtain down on this hour of variety, on tuned to yesterday. Be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from Radio's Golden Years. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark Levonier. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.